Ben Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much. Maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Hey there, freedom seekers. Ever wonder about the hero that lives inside of you, ready to conquer the business world? Well, if you've been listening to our show for a while, then you know that we love exploring hero myths and using them to better understand our own heroic journeys. I wanted to make these stories even more actionable for you, so we built a way for you to uncover your business superpowers, avoid potential pitfalls, and see your entrepreneurial journey in a whole new light. Ready to discover your business owner hero type? Check out the show notes or head over to lucidshiftcoaching.com forward slash quiz to take our free quiz and learn which heroic energy you embody in your business. It only takes a few minutes and it's free. Your heroic journey awaits. Welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Ben Easter. I'm here with my lovely wife and co-host, Paige Easter. Today, we are talking about mindfulness morsels. Paige, I think um, I think this is a really cool topic. I know we were, we've been really excited about the preparation for this topic. Um, we're going to talk about mindfulness, meditation, uh, its use in personal development, and uh, and kind of what it's for. So, I mean, I think it, it's kind of interesting for us to start off with why, why you and I are both so interested in mindfulness together. Yeah, so Ben and I met at a meditation retreat. That is how we know each other. We came into each other's reality at a Vipassana meditation retreat in 2019. 10-day silent meditation. Um. One of the more, I mean, for, for me, it was one of the more challenging experiences uh, that I've I've had being alone with my mind for ten days in silence. You know, uh, do you remember all the rules? What were the What were the rules? I know, um, no, no meat, no, no sex, no alcohol. So a vow of chastity, a vow of it's a vow of silence, right? Mm-hmm. So no talking, which includes nonverbal communication, eye contact. Just you and your thoughts. Yeah, no connecting days. with anyone. No exercise mm-hmm. was part of the agreement that we made. Like, you, no vigorous mm-hmm. exercise. So you could walk, but no yoga or no push-ups, no anything like that. Yeah. Well, um, I think the intention behind that was um, not to have any sort of activity that might be distracting to other people. Well, also it's, nothing that would distract you from your from your pain. Yeah. So no like, reading, no, no reading, writing. No writing. No cell phones, obviously. No cell phones, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of it was was to keep you focused on the practice and to not reach, to not have anything that you could reach for that would distract you from the pain of the experience. Because the whole point of the experience, mm-hmm. I think, is to is to create pain um, and mm-hmm. for the growth and transformation that happens through that pain. Yeah, <clears throat> really cool. By the way, highly How recommend. Do- oh yeah, ten out of ten. Can't wait to go back and do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, out of curiosity, I think I already know the answer to this question, but for our listeners' sake, um, how did you find out about Vipassana? Through uh, Julie's husband, Anthony. Um, he he has been he had been to like twenty of them, and he had recommended them a lot of times. And it was uh, it was something that had been on my radar for a really long time that I wanted to do. And I just I finally made the time and space 
And uh, th that was actually right before I started this business. Um, and it was just like the time of my life for it. So it was a really interesting uh, experience, the timing of it, how it all worked out. And um, I just love, I love Goenka, the, you know, the guy whose recordings we listen to. Highly recommend yeah. the, the Vipassana. I don't know. It's called Northwest Vipassana Association mm -hmm. is, I think, where we got the training. But all this is to say... Yeah. We had this experience for 10 days where we, you know, we were completely inside ourselves and we're meditating like, I think it was like 11 to 14 hours a day, depending on the day, um, mm -hmm. eating delicious vegetarian food and, uh, and really like centering. Yeah. So, um, really amazing. Super I, experience. You know, I, um, I found out about it just from being in the yoga world and doing yoga teacher trainings and people would talk about Vipassana as though it was something that everybody in that realm did. And so I just assumed like, oh, I'm going to go and just like everybody else who does yoga, <laughs> for whatever reason, that was my assumption, and go and do this silent meditation retreat. And I, one of my mom's friends, she was like, oh, you're going to go do Vipassana, huh? It's really hard. And I was like, hard? Like what, what do you mean hard? And then, like, three days into the retreat, I was like, she did not emphasize how hard this is. Like, this is really hard. Like, she did not clearly communicate. She said hard in passing. And I was like, my keys are right here. Like, I can just pack up my stuff, get in my car, and I can go. Because I, just being alone with my thoughts, I was, like, driving myself crazy. It was such an interesting experience. I think that's a pretty common experience, too. And that's why they take I mean they take your keys right didn't they take our keys and our cell phones mm. they took they took our I left my phone in my car and my keys oh I think they bag. asked I think they asked us to to give our our phones and our keys over because I mean you sign a contract when yeah. you're going into it that you're going to stay for the mm. whole experience and I think it's yeah. really important why they're doing that because it is going to be really hard and you know there was a there was a moment me too it was like around day four where I wasn't sleeping very well and it's like you're already like yeah. you're already up super early at 4 30 in the morning to start meditating and then which is not my usual schedule and then we're like in bed at 10 and that's already only six hours and then you're like meditating all day which is <clears throat> pretty challenging you know and the sitting is very painful mm -hmm. and or at least it was for me I mean I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> I want to be very clear that this was my experience about it but the point is that we like somewhere around day four, I wasn't sleeping at all. Even, even in, during the six hours that we had to sleep, I wasn't sleeping. I was having these crazy dreams and I would wake up just like, you know, like dr dreams where like, I'm like murdering people or like all this like really weird stuff is happening. And I'm like waking up in a panic or some sort of strange state. And it was finally day four. There's, um, they have these times when you can go talk to the teacher. And I went and I asked the teacher, I was like, I, there's, I feel like I'm going crazy. I feel like I, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know what's going on. And he gave me a meditation to do when I would wake up, like in the middle of the night, if I would wake up to focus my mind, split my mind between the center of my palms. And that worked like a charm. And then from then on, I still had really nice dreams, but the dreams got less violent and more um, <clears throat> romantic <laughs> in nature, uh, which is really interesting. Um, but I was ready to leave yeah, too. So, I mean, it was right about day four. Yeah. So what is the point? Like, why are we talking about this? What is this kind of work even for? Yeah. And I just, I mean, I also want to like hold, I get that it's a big commitment to go for like a 10 day thing. Also, they don't mm -hmm. let you do a three day sit until you've done a 10 day sit at that, at least in that organization. And I actually think that that's really important 
that said, I understand mm. 10 days is a big commitment. It's a huge thing to step away from your life for that and to go and be willing to like be in pain. And if you have the 10 days, you know, there are so many other mm. things that you could do with those 10 days. Right. So I, I, I understand all that. And I want to hold space for mindfulness in your day-to-day life without going to the extreme mm-hmm. of having a 10 day silent meditation retreat, though I would recommend that to anybody at all who's yeah. listening. Cause I think the, the benefits are so profound creativity and peace and center and like alignment with myself awareness uh, awareness ability to mm-hmm. sit through pain that was like a huge awakening for me was like yeah. this moment of like reconciling myself to pain and then just having that mm-hmm. be like my new normal which was really useful yeah and all that said i'm here to hold space for uh, what what i like to call mindfulness morsels so tiny bits of mindfulness because I think the benefits can be really, really useful for us. So um, if you're ever going through anxiety or uh, if you're doing thought work, I think one thing that mindfulness is really uh, useful for as you're doing thought work is it's it helps us notice when we're having a thought. So like we're strengthening the mm. skill of noticing that you're having a thought, which is like kind of table stakes for doing any thought work. If you want to change your thinking patterns, it's really important for us to notice when we're having thoughts what kinds of thoughts we're having, mm-hmm. what, how those thoughts are contributing to our resourcefulness or our lack of resourcefulness, that sort of thing. So I think that's why, that's yeah. why I wanted to talk about mindfulness in this podcast. Anything to add to that? Page? Yeah. I th- yeah. I think that mindfulness in my, how I conceive it is putting our attention on something purposefully. And I think that the reason that that can be really useful is we sometimes have the same behavior or the same sequence of thoughts so many times over and over that it just kind of blends into the fabric of our experience and we stop noticing it similar to a painting on the wall in your house that you walk by a million times and don't notice or that sticky note you put on your desk to remind you of something that's been there for ages and I was just looking at my sticky notes the other day and I'm like wow I wrote that at some point and it has been here for months and I didn't even have a conception of what was written on it Mm -hmm. um, because the sticky note just has just blended into my reality. And so there's a psychological term for that. It's habituation where you'll just like not notice a constant stimulus. Um, We blend it in because, you know, our brains have got to be on the lookout for things that might cause us risk or provide us opportunities. And Mm -hmm. novelty does that in a way that, you know. Things that are, are just always ever present, which won't like yeah. the noticing the scent of your your nose, for example, something that you're literally yeah. always exposed to, but you never notice mm-hmm. or um, the stereoscopic field of vision. You know what I mean? Like mm. the the edges of your vision, like there's a point where the, the edge is and you see it all day, every day, but you never notice that thing because it's exactly. just part of your constant experience, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so, and so I think that when we have thought processes that are automatic, they're reflexive, they're autopilot, sometimes using a mindfulness practice to start putting attention on that place means that we can notice it, make it conscious, and then once it's conscious, we can start kind of dissecting it and recreating something that feels better in our reality. Yeah. I mean, I, I generally talk, there are like two parts of development, personal development. One is you have to notice that now is the time for us to do the personal development. Mm-hmm. And the other is we actually have to choose to do whatever the exercise is. And that's once we are in the presence of all the tools and that sort of thing. So um, so yeah. what the mindfulness does and what we're focusing on in the skill of this, what we're talking about in this podcast is cultivating the skill of noticing, of the noticing. Mm-hmm. 
being mm-hmm. present, being present yeah. to your moment, being focused in a moment. Totally. And I also think the, the noticing and then also the self-command that comes with your brain at one point kind of falling into a habitual pattern and then you being able to start noticing so that you can disrupt and choose. And even though your brain is tempted to go off in a direction, to kind of take your brain and command it to like, okay, cool, I see that this is difficult and this is how it's always been and this is what you want to do because you're comfortable. But right now let's focus on this and just come back to a mindful practice meditating on your breath meditating on a visual a statement a s- words like whatever it is whatever anchor you choose to um, keep but developing yeah like developing the self command to tell your brain to do something and have it behave <laughs> the way you want <laughs> yeah and you're and you're doing both in a and I think like we'll get a lot of practice in a long-term meditation ex- experience an mm-hmm. hour two hours when you're sitting um, where you you get a lot of reps of doing that kind of work. Mm. But ultimately, again, there's the there's the two phases of personal development, right? Like the moment of noticing, oh shit, my mind has wandered, right? And then the mm-hmm. moment of practicing, oh, let's bring our mind back to the thing that we were doing before. Let's let's exactly, think this yeah. way. Let's focus our mind on this thing. And mm-hmm. so that's that's like the skill I think. So, you know, there's spiritual benefits to it, sure. I you know, I'm not here to to speak to the spiritual benefits. I wouldn't feel qualified. You know what I mean? There are <laughs> But there are real mindset benefits, tangible skill set benefits to this. And so that's what mm-hmm. I'm here to encourage. So um, I think this is really great for centering yourself. If you're having um, anxiety, you're having any kind of uncomfortable thoughts, like the, that's a great time to practice a little bit of mindfulness. Um, but again, mm-hmm. even noticing that you're in anxiety or that you're having some sort of uncomfortable emotional experience, that is part of the mindfulness too. It's just like noticing, oh, this is this is an experience you know, this experience is, ha- I'm having this experience now, right? Rather mm-hmm. than like an, I'm mm-hmm. anxious, I am anxious, I am uncomfortable, yeah. right? I'm having an experience. And that's part of, I think, what is really cool about a mindfulness practice is to kind of like to separate yourself out from your thoughts to like become an observer of them, which is another mm-hmm. one of the big benefits. Yeah. That's where I think some of the spiritual benefits come from too, is like we, yeah. you know, stop making identity meaning or stop uh, identifying with our ego, if you want to put it in terms like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Uh, my, I, I think it's worth mentioning um, the the experience of pain at the, at this like mindfulness retreat, at this Vipassana retreat mm-hmm. where it was like day five or six, maybe for me. And I was sitting and I was having just like really bad back pain. Just like it was, you know, I'd been sitting for days now at this point and it was just like, it was excruciating. And I was like, I had this moment because we were doing these sits of strong determination where for one hour, you don't move a muscle, not a single muscle for the full hour. And I was, it was during one of those sits of strong determination where I, um, I just had this like real, like almost like terror come up where I was like, Oh, this, like I'm going to, this pain is going to be permanent. I'm doing permanent damage to my body right now. Like I'm Mm -hmm. actually like permanently injuring myself. And I remember having this thought where I was like, well, I guess, I, I guess this is just it for me now. I guess I'm just like, I'm going to be injured for the rest of my life. I guess I'm going to have this pain for the rest of my life. And no sooner did I have that acceptance thought, that moment of like, 
actually accepting the pain rather than resisting against it, pushing against it, worrying about it. Mm -hmm. The moment that I actually accepted it, it was so amazing that it just like melted away out of my experience. I was like, what the fuck? What just happened? How did that happen? It was really crazy. And I heard from other people. I think you had an experience that was similar. I had, no, it was the same thing. I had this same spot in my back that was hurting so much from sitting in the same meditative seat. And I was like, I mean, maybe I should have prepared for this. Like maybe I needed to have a stronger body to be able to sustain this. Am I doing permanent damage? And they, I went to talk to one of the teachers at during lunch and I was like, I have this pain in my back. It's really serious. I'm very concerned about it. Like, I'm not trying to be, come out of here disabled. And the only thing she said to me was, that's not equanimity, which was <laughs> one of the concepts that we were, you know, they do the lectures at night, the recorded videos. Iguanimous. With Goenka, he, like, there are these recorded videos of him teaching the concepts of meditation. And she, and equanimity is just the Buddhist principle of maintaining a steady mind not getting too excited not getting too like depressed maintaining an equal level of um emotional state and she was like that's not equanimity and I was like how does this help me and I was so like upset like really angry that she didn't even have a solution for me and I was sitting one day trying to meditate and my back hurt so bad and I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I guess this is just how it's going to be forever. For the rest of my life, I'm going to experience this amount of pain and it's fine. Whatever. And the moment I had that thought, the pain in my back just like fizzled away. And then, you know, from one intense emotion, like frustration to like then kind of awe and also a little bit of like anger, like that's it. That's all it takes. I just have to accept it. And then the pain goes away. Are you kidding me? And then to just have that experience and think about all the other times in my life where I had self-imposed so much misery just by my thoughts. And then to have the experience where I could alter my physical state of pain with a thought in my mind just blew me away. Like absolutely crazy. Yeah, it was. It's really amazing. I think it, it's such a cool reminder too for me because you're relating it to the rest of life as well. It's like it's such a cool reminder that so often it's that voice in your head that's saying like, "Oh, like you can't do this thing," or like, "Oh, this thing is going to be the worst," or it's you know some sort of there's like something awful is going to happen, and it's like just the the antidote to that in that moment being so clear that it was just like accepting the experience that like okay so what if it is this way for the rest of my life you know I guess this is what it's going to be and just having that moment of of acceptance free me from the resistance pattern Mm. that I was in the struggle the pain the suffering that was happening because I think that's the whole point of the like you know from a spiritual perspective and maybe even from a more practical perspective the Vipassana retreat is, I think, about cultivating the skill of the equanimity, of the equan- remaining mm-hmm. equanimous. Equanimous. <laughs> Just because he says it so many times in that. Um, but the idea is that uh, I think that that we can maintain our equanimity and, we're, and what you're doing when you're... And that's why they don't want you to have a cell phone. That's why you don't, they don't want you to have any distractions. That way, that's why they don't want you talking mm-hmm. to anybody or making eye contact or doing yoga or whatever. I mean, I think that was like the single thing that each time I had an uncomfortable thought in my mind, 
I just wanted to talk to somebody about it. Like, I wanted somebody to relate to, tell me that it's okay, assuage my fear. And when I didn't have that outlet, it was like I was forced to kind of figure out how to do it on my own. And I think that that is so empowering to come to the realization that I don't actually need anything out there to be able to alter my state on my insides, that I actually have the tools to do that on my own. Yeah. And I mean, I I think that so often that's what we're doing when we're reaching for the distractions is we're just trying to pull ourselves out Mm -hmm. of some kind of pain, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And it's, you know, it's going for the social media or going for the whatever, Mm -hmm. like people talk about the doom scrolling or, you know, the, you know, whatever the entertainment thing is or the conversation with somebody or masturbating or having a drink or all these things that the whole point of them is Mm -hmm. for us to distract ourselves from some experience of discomfort that we're having mm-hmm. and rather yeah. than when being with all, the discomfort we go and distract ourselves yeah where all the while what we could do is just take our mind and focus it on things that feel good in our mind we're like oh look everything's fine look around the room and notice like there's no danger nothing's coming to get you it might feel like it in your physical state the anxious feeling but i might die feeling but like look around the room and just notice like everything is fine well and then is even looking around the room a distraction you know what i mean like because it seems like i mean maybe if our eyes weren't closed and we weren't sitting in that like we don't have any distractions in that moment and that's when both of us had the experience of coming to acceptance of our pain and that's when the pain Mm -hmm. went away and it's like it's yeah. like, actually, if I'm like looking around, like, you know, checking out the, checking out the girls in the room, you know, or whatever, like mm. while I'm, while I'm meditating, right. Then I might not well, be I think coming I, to that awareness. Yeah. I, I think that what, like we could, we could view that as a distraction. And I think that it's a more resourceful distraction. I mean, I don't know. Is it a distraction? It's like a thing that I can do with my mind to alter my state that feels good, that doesn't have the negative implications of being on social media and perpetuating the anxiety, the, like, not enoughness, the, like, people have more, you know, or turning to drugs and alcohol and then having a physiological impact on my, like, health. And I I guess I just, I hear, I think of Goenka, you know, and I just, like, wonder, or I I get that teacher saying, you know, that's not equanimity. You know what I mean? Because I, I think the the point of that is that you're you're freeing yourself. You're practicing freeing yourself from attachment, attachment, mm-hmm. cravings, and aversions. You know they they say that over and over again in the yeah. in the retreat. Yeah. So it's like it's like we have these cravings for other states. So you're you're being attached to pleasure, or we have these aversions mm-hmm. to pain, and we're being attached to our aversion from pain, our freedom from pain. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, I think that's the whole, that's why you, you sit in strong determination with your eyes closed, with no distractions, with, with, with your own Mm -hmm. pain inside yourself so that you can just be okay with pain, be okay with not pain, like be okay, like remain your, remain equanimous in every situation, Mm -hmm. right. Maintain your equanimity. Mm -hmm. And so like, I almost like, I wonder about it and look, I mean, easier said than done, right? Like (laughs) get off your high horse, Ben, you know what I mean? But like, really it is like the whole world is full of distractions and it's so easy to reach for distractions rather than to sit in pain. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, we, in a very real way, I think we want to be in the world a lot of times. Like I I think it's, Mm -hmm. you know, to be on the meditation cushion all the time is actually quite boring 
and you know, and that's just an opinion yeah. that I have, but I don't want that experience all the time. I actually want to get caught up in the drama of the world sometimes, mm-hmm. but to have a, as a practice, the noticing and the freeing myself to recognize, to remember that it is within me to be able to kind of mm-hmm. detach from any particular mm-hmm. outcome. And then like, look, the, the benefits of that when we're, when we have hard activities to take for our business, things that are like risky or fearful or, you know, challenging mm-hmm. or whatever the story is about it. Right. To be able to be in the experience of that pain and be an acceptance of it. I think that is really mm-hmm. useful. That can wind up being really useful, even within the context of the world and all its distractions. So intentionally taking the focus of our mind and putting it on the painful experience and holding it there long enough to give, to then have the experience of noticing that it's okay. I don't have to distract myself from this experience in order to be okay. I can sit with it. Exactly. But like, how how do you do that without wallowing though? Well, I mean, I think uh, there's all kinds of ways to do it. I mean, wallowing is like being attached to that too, or to some kind of secondary benefit that you're getting from it, you know, like sympathy or even sympathy for yourself. Mm -hmm. But I think people have like, you know, doing a really hard yoga class, for example, or like going, doing a hard workout class where, you know, there are, it is uncomfortable. It is kind of maybe boring in, in ways like Mm -hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't use your mind and it's, it's painful and like, whatever, we've got that experience. But most people listening to this will have had some version of that experience in your reality, right? Where you like sat through it, you, you figured out your way to be in the pain of that. And so that's a way to do mm-hmm. it without wallowing, you know, to, to in, intentionally seek out pain just for the sake of being present with pain, right? Not so that you'll get something on the other side because that's attachment, but so that you realize that you have an infinite capacity to be with pain. And mm-hmm. I think that, I think there's something really useful about that. There's something really useful to be bored and to be like, this is me experiencing boredom mm-hmm. now. I'm experiencing boredom now. Right? Yeah. And this is me okay. experiencing fear now. I'm experiencing fear now. Right? Yeah. And that's where, where I think meditation practices are really useful is to like be noticing, oh, I'm, I'm having a thought. I'm having the experience of fear right now. I'm having a thought that I'm unsafe. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think in and of itself is a mindful practice, tracking our own internal state, picking up on our own cues for when our state is dysregulated, when our heart rate goes up or we start to get like a stomach ache and when we're not feeling good, like what does that actually like naming what in our body that experience is like and be tracking that and like, oh, there I am again, I'm dysregulated and then having your own process for coming back to a regulated state, taking some deep breaths or. Yeah. And, and useful. And, and again, I think both, like it's nice to have the practice to regulate your state again. Right. Which is mm-hmm. useful for us in our world. And that is also like an attachment to pleasure. Like we're, we're, we're like, we we're prioritizing some sort of, you know, pleasant state. And I think there's value in the other as well of just being uncomfortable and not like not doing anything with it, not, you know, trying to fix it or to, you know, but to just mm-hmm. experience it. And by the way, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm over here preaching the, the power of mindset all the time. And I definitely want that tool in my bag to be able to like regulate my state. Right. Yeah. And also I think there's real value in just sitting in pain for an hour, two hours, five hours and just being present with pain. So that's uh, 
That's just my opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some some uh, tools, some ways to do this. You know, uh, obviously, I'm gonna again vouch for the Vipassana, the 10 day silent meditation retreat. Mm-hmm. By all means, do that. Uh, highly recommend. Um, that said, that's a big experience, and I think that we can get mindfulness in much smaller chunks for ourselves. We can mm-hmm. practice more regularly throughout our days by just kind of centering ourselves. So talk about a few. You got any favorites that come to mind, Paige? Um, I think when I meditate, my I just go, my, my fallback is always the Vipassana approach, starting with noticing the feeling of air coming in and out of my nostrils and noticing the, f- he calls them, like at the level of your skin, there are biochemical thing in all of your tissues there's like biochemical reactions happening all the time and what if you could just notice them what if they're we haven't noticed them because they're just part of the fabric of our existence and it's so mundane that we don't notice it anymore but what is it like if we put our attention to the feeling of air coming in and out of our nostrils and hold our attention there and notice thoughts wandering and then come back um, yeah, and that's the, for the first four days. That was all we did in uh, in the Vipassana retreat yeah. was just focusing on the tip of the nose and feeling yeah. the experience of air coming in and out of your of your nostrils. You know, mm-hmm. and just what what is the yeah. feeling of that? You know, we do that all day, every day, but we don't notice. Mm-hmm. You know, just take a moment right now and notice what it feels like to attend to the feeling of your breath. Yeah. Yes, that's a really nice one. And I think all of them are going to be variations on a theme of that. Um, Shirzad yeah. Shamin has a coach. Coach Shirzad has the, the, he calls them PQ reps, which I think these are really useful ways of looking at it. But mm-hmm. one of my favorite ones of those is you rub the fingers of your, the your thumb and your forefinger, you rub the tips of them together with, he says, such attention that you can feel the ridges of your fingerprint. Mm-hmm. And so to do that for just to take a moment and just try to find the ridges. Mm-hmm. And if you think you've done it, maybe imagine that you haven't figured it out yet and see if you can f- figure out it deeper. And I think that's a useful practice. I really like that mm-hmm. one. Um, I also like setting an intention of tracking internal state just noticing and naming the feelings that are happening Mm. and then the physical the physical interpretation of that like oh i'm feeling really peaceful right now and i notice that because my shoulders are relaxed and my jaw is relaxed and we're Mm -hmm. noticing my feet flat on the ground noticing Mm -hmm. another one that i love when i teach yoga i always practice this but um i always instruct this is um when you do a bunch of sun salutations and you get your heart rate up and then hold really still standing up and notice your heart rate and then notice all of the muscles that are firing to keep your body upright and then noticing your breath and seeing if you can find the place where you're standing perfectly straight up and using the least amount of muscles firing to keep you perfectly straight up and then notice if you can get your heart rate and your breath rate to slow down using your mind. And yeah. Just like bringing 
all attention into the physical body is such a delightful experience. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds really familiar to or similar to Qigong. My the, my first kung fu teacher would have us stand in qigong and just like you're holding a big beach ball basically, and you're doing that essentially with your with your arms out in front of you. <clears throat> you're you know there's a checklist like a an alignment checklist yeah, that you go through in your exactly. mind. But once you like set that, mm-hmm. then you're like really just trying to use as little energy as you possibly can to hold yourself up. And that's the meditation is to breathe and hold yourself up with as little energy as possible. So that's like a really useful one. You can also do this with walking. You know, how can I walk in the most efficient way? And so these are ways that you can practice this mindfulness all over the place. You don't have to, you know, have Mm -hmm. this separate time that you pull out. Although I do, again, I want to hold space for having a separate time where you practice just this because Mm -hmm. otherwise it can be, it can be really easy to get distracted when you're recording a podcast or you're, you know, walking through the grocery store and you're shopping and you're tr- practicing mindfulness. Now it, it better to practice than not, I think. Um, but also I think having a dedicated time is really useful. One of my favorite mindfulness practices is to ask the question, what will my next thought be? And then, and then try to stick with that feeling uh, as long as I can. I really love that. For whatever reason, asking that question like makes my brain do a flip. Mm. And I just get it like zones me out for a second. So I think that one's really useful. Love that. Um, I think you can tune into any one of your senses very precisely. And mm-hmm. that is a and that totally, is a way yeah. to practice mindfulness. So what does the room you're in right now smell like? Mm-hmm. Well, can you pick up what's something that you haven't looked at and haven't noticed the details? You know, I have like a journal right here, for example, that's got a cloth cover, you know, what does that cloth cover actually look like? Tuning into a sound is hard. I've got headphones on right now, you know, but tuning into a sound, trying to notice a new sound that's happening in your, in your awareness that you haven't noticed before. These are all ways of, of tuning into mindfulness in a moment. A flavor, just trying, you know, the, there's a, a classic one. Actually, did, I, did we do this at that the Plastic Retreat where you take a raisin and you just hold the raisin in your mouth and the goal is to, like, hold, hold the raisin in your mouth for, like, 20 minutes or something like that and, like, experience it? That was not at the Vipassana Retreat. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's another one is to, like, just take some sort of mm-hmm. uh, mouth experience some sort of mm-hmm. you know, flavor and hold it yeah piece of chocolate blueberry mm-hmm. like hold it smell it notice what it looks like yeah next time you're at the gym i mean you, you might already do this but like thinking of it as a mindfulness exercise um as you're doing an exercise connecting your mind to the full muscle group that you're using mm-hmm as you're doing whatever yeah. the whatever whichever exercise it is like really connecting your mind to the exercise is another way to practice mindfulness mm-hmm. i think practicing uh affirmations on your on your beads totally. keeping your mind yeah. focused on your affirmations is a really great mindfulness practice like can you keep your mind focused on the process the practice of your affirmations is a really good one yeah also useful in other ways cold experience mm-hmm. cold exposure love this one personally mm. big fan cold exposure where it's you're actually deliberately exposing yourself to a painful experience and then you're just being present with the pain you know really useful yeah. 
Any others you can think of that I missed? You hear me talking about? Or that you like? Um, we had briefly talked about before this, you know, the use of guided meditations, like popping in a recording and having somebody else's voice guide you through an experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a pinch, I think they have their place, those things. Um, I, they're getting really popular now, like Headspace and Calm and mm-hmm. all the different apps that are doing that. And, uh, and, you know, I think, again, better to practice than not to practice. And also, I think... I mean, yes, you're, you're focusing your mind on listening to someone's voice. Um, but if you're going to use one of those, I would also highly encourage you to find one where there's a lot of stillness, a lot of no talking mm-hmm. space and use yeah. that time to keep your mind on whatever the exercises that you're doing. I, I, know, that, I know that Headspace has those. I'm not sure if Calm does. Uh, I haven't used Calm. Um, but mm-hmm. find one where it's less talking and more um, presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sitting with the there's also there's also an approach to meditation that is inquisitive. It's called insight meditation. And I learned it from a meditation teacher. And the it's kind of meant to access like your subconscious, like get through like into a deeper level where you're not talking yourself out of things as much and like cogn- using cognition so much. But the approach to insight meditation is to have a question. And then to meditate for like five, 15 minutes if you choose your duration, but holding the question in your mind and not answering it and just holding the question. This would be like a Zen like, practice or like a, like a. Yeah, I think he was a, I think he was kind of a Zen, a Zen. A Cohen, he also taught. Like if a tree falls in the, the wood, as well. woods, does it make a sound? Yeah. And so holding the question in your mind and trying to just like conceptually hold it without verbalizing it and holding it as long as you're meditating. And then when you're done, getting out a notebook and writing down your ideas. And it's mm-hmm. supposed to help bring forth creativity by just giving your cognitive part of your brain a little rest. And then, yeah. Awesome. So highly recommend meditation for all you out there listening. Some sort of mindfulness practice, uh, again, to cultivate the skill of noticing your thinking, if nothing else. I, I think there's benefits mm-hmm. of, of sitting in pain and being and, and just cultivating acceptance of pain. I think that's really useful. Imagine what would happen in your life if you never, if you were willing to experience any negative emotion. What would happen? What would you be capable mm-hmm. of if you were willing to experience any discomfort, any uncomfortable experience? Um, but practicing, focusing, building the skill of noticing when you're having a thought so that we can start to cultivate the noticing of unresourceful thoughts and the practicing of useful thoughts, practicing the self-command of directing your mind where you want it to go. And, uh, and these are all great benefits of meditation or mindfulness. So um, mm-hmm. with all that said, uh, let us know if you have any questions. You can reach out on Instagram in the DMs. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Any questions that you have about this, any thoughts on your own meditation, any practices that we missed that you really love, we'd love to hear it. And thanks for listening. Live your freedom. Love your life. Hey there, shifters. If you enjoy the podcast and you've been wanting to take your game to the next level, you might want to hear about our new program. We're calling it The Mindset Gym, and it's a virtual community where we take all the tips, tricks, and strategies, and we put them into practice. Ever notice how when you go to an exercise class, you always seem to push a little harder than when you work out on your own? Well, The Mindset Gym is like a group exercise class for your business. Imagine a community of badass business owners coming together a couple of times a month to work on their mindsets, strategies, and find some business besties. It's all about practicing together. Sound like something you might want to be a part of? 
Check out the link in the show notes or go to lucidshiftcoaching.com forward slash the dash mindset dash gym to learn more. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.